You're listening to 89.1 WEMU, and this is Art and Soul. This is Lisa Berry, and this week we're talking about the art of well-being. There's your physical well-being and there's your emotional intelligence and mindfulness, feeling balanced and self-aware and calm. So joining us today is a local expert on applying those life skills in the workplace, the faculty director for the Center for Positive Organizations at the University of Michigan Raw School of Business, Dr. Gretchen Spreiter. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. You work at U of M. You've written and co-written many books. Uh, How important do you think thriving at work is to most people's sense of well-being? Well, I think it's crucial. So most of, our, most of us are spending more and more time in the workplace. Our work is ever more important to who we are as individuals. And um, in addition to being our source of economic uh, sustenance, and so thriving is really important. We know there's a lot of crowding out. If we're not happy at work, we take that home to our mm. family life. If we're working too much, we can't com- contribute to our communities in the way that we want to. So I believe it's cr- it's crucial. When we talk about thriving at work, what exactly does that mean? Uh, this began series of research projects from many years ago, about 10 years ago, in fact. And we were really interested in this question of how people can bring their best selves to work but without burning out over time. And as we began our research, we realized that people thrived at work when they experienced a sense of vitality or energy. They felt really alive in their work at the same time that they were growing, they were learning, they were getting better at what they were doing. And so thriving is the combination of those two things together. I saw something, I think it was on the Today Show a week or so ago, about success is, doesn't mean much without fulfillment. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Well, so fulfillment is a is a piece of that, but okay. I think we can be fulfilled but still burning out. Um, so if the work that we're doing is not energizing to us, that's not creating resources, just depleting resources, I don't think we're thriving at work. You write and speak a lot about employee empowerment and leadership development. But if that's not happening in a workplace or at a company, how do you even begin? Yeah. So some people feel like the first course of action is to find a new job. I think <laughs> that's not very realistic for most of us. Right, so the question right. becomes, what can we do within our current workplaces, even if we don't have a boss who's empowering? or who really enables our thriving. And for me and in the research, we found three main pathways. The first one's pretty basic, and it's kind of the, you know, the healthy habits that your mom tried to teach you when you were growing up, the importance of sleep, mm-hmm. right? If we're sleep-deprived, we're probably not going to feel very alive in our work. Uh, nutrition um, and hydration, you know, so if we're eating a lot of unhealthy snacks and we're all jazzed up or we're completely um, hungry or hangry, right, mm-hmm. we're not going to be uh, thriving in our work. And then the last one is about movement and energy. And we know a lot that if people aren't moving their body, if they're just sitting at a desk all day, they're probably not going to be at their best either. So we recommend that people get up and move at least every 90 minutes. And if you're drinking enough water, that's a good way to ensure you're going to be up and moving regularly. So that's the employee's responsibility. Where does the employer come into that picture? Yeah. So the other two pathways are things that are also within our control but have more to do with the workplace. Mm-hmm. And one of those is creating high-quality connections in the workplace or at the very least not having 
incivil or toxic interactions with other people. So one is building trust with our coworkers, finding commonalities with our coworkers, seeking out people that we know are kind of the positive energizers. Uh, so that's one. Mm-hmm. And then a second piece is kind of coming back to your fulfillment idea, finding ways that we can see the purpose in what we do. And even if we're not saving people's lives or putting a man on the moon, there's lots of smaller ways that we can find meaning and purpose in what we do. And some of that can come from how we do our work and the kind of relationships that we build and the way that we make a difference, whether it's to our customers, to our clients, to our coworkers, or um, even to ourselves. How much self-awareness does that take? I mean, that's basically what the segment is about, well-being and self-awareness. So don't you have to have some self-awareness to even know where you're going or where you fit in and all that? I think self-awareness is really important, but it doesn't have to be the starting point. So I think sometimes we're in a workplace and we can just feel that the dynamics are really good. Like Mm -hmm. right now, I feel like we're really making a connection. There's other times when you know that's just not happening. And so it doesn't have to be conscious. It doesn't have to be intentional, though it's better if it is. We can choose to take the situation and, you know, am I going to, what am I going to choose to do at lunch? Am I going to get out and enjoy that? And that movement's going to put me in a better place. When I have an opportunity to interact with a student or a colleague, am I going to try to lift them up through our conversation and interaction, or am I going to leave them neutral, or even am I going to put them down in some way? Mm -hmm. So we have a choice about how we live out our everyday work lives. I think we're better off if we can be proactive in our situations and creating the kind of work lives that we want. We have a tool through our Center for Positive Organizations called the Job Crafting Tool, and it helps people see, even though they have the same job description, how they can make small changes changes around the edges to bring more of their purpose, more of their competence, more of their the things that they value into the workplace. So I think it's better if we're proactive about creating the workplaces that we want. We can also just be in the moment and responding to situations as they happen. So what if you're in a workplace and it doesn't feel so fulfilling or uplifting or empowering? What are your choices then? Yeah. Well, I think one is to look at the things that are within your realm of control. So that specific interaction with the customer. Mm -hmm. You know, you may not have a lot of choice over what you can offer to that customer, but how you interact with them. You have complete control over that. Same with colleagues. Um, You may have a toxic boss, and we can't change who our boss is, but we can change the kind of relationship that we create with our coworkers so that we can create some buffers so that we can over time, maybe begin to nudge them to think about different routines and practices that would allow our organization to thrive. So here's one example. We start our meetings off in our department by sharing good news, right? So it's a way of lifting people up from the very beginning of the meeting, putting them in a more positive mindset so that when we have to talk about more difficult issues, we're in a better place to do that. Or in our Center for Positive Organizations meetings, we often end the meetings with moments of gratitude. And we say, here, I want to do a shout out to so-and-so. We can think about small routines that are nudging our organizations into a place where they're going to create a better environment for all of us. These are all great ideas, but what percentage of workplaces or companies or businesses do you think even think about doing something like that? Well, I think it's not so much at the business or organization level. I think it's more at the unit level. And I think more and more with with positive psychology, with positive organizations, we're seeing leaders who are saying, we want to create 
more of a legacy. We want to create something where we're able to bring out the full potential of our people. So it's certainly not universal, but we see more and more people attracted to it. We'll have this positive business conference in May at the Ross School of Business. We'll have 400 people coming out with the hunger of wanting to figure out how do they take their organizations to the next level because they're going to have better retention. Employees are going to want to stay. They'll have better Healthcare costs, because the stress levels will be lower and employees will be less sick, we'll see fuller engagement, more creativity. So there's a lot of reasons to want to do it, even if it doesn't necessarily come naturally. And who's who bears the responsibility, the employee or the employer, or both? I think it's both. both. I think we all have to do our job in creating positive organizations. And too often we can point the finger up and blame it on the culture or blame it on the CEO or the boss. But I think there's a lot we can do within our own sphere of control to make changes. Dr. Gretchen Spreitzer is the faculty director for the Center for Positive Organizations at the University of Michigan Raw School of Business. Thank you so much for joining us on Art and Soul here on 89.1 WEMU. Thanks for your good work, Lisa.